perfect. I I really think that we should have done oh, the uh, the. My phone alarm's going off. Uh, <laughs> it's really freaking actually get up kids, which is super relevant. Okay, sorry, back. Oh sorry, my god! Sorry. Well, that's actually the beginning of our recording. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that. That's I'm I'm gonna leave this all in. Welcome to the show, the coolest kids. I am your co-host Terrence Wiggins. I am your other co-host me. Brock Wilbur. And with us, both of us collectively, collectively, both of us is uh is a guest a guest singer in our band. It's me. <laughs> Trent Garitano? Yeah, you did it right the first time. Good work. Yay. Thank you for taking the bullet on that one, my man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of, well, one of my, uh, I had a crush on this girl that was Italian when I was younger, and her grandmother was (laughs) This is already the best backstory to how you pronounced a name right. (laughs) Well, (laughs) because, like, her grandmother was like, She's like still had like an accent, like very very thick accent. So I kind of learned how to pronounce Italian words from her. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, you did it. Good work. Your your you. teenage love life came into into use. <laughs> it's so rare that outside of this podcast, our broken hearts can uh, can give us anything. But uh, <laughs> here we are, Trin. Thank you so much for joining us today to talk the full collapse album from the band Thursday. Oh Did God, I pronounce that one right? <laughs> uh, look, I was in love with a girl once. Her name was Wednesday. <laughs> Shut up, you idiot. <laughs> uh, I thought that was going to be a Simpsons reference with the Itchy and Scratchy Lander who was like, nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about Thursday's Full Collapse, um, which I think was my first post-hardcore album, Ooh. I think. Maybe that or, uh, well, that's not a hard, I was going to say From Autumn to Ashes, but they're more just like regular hardcore. Yeah. Or melodic hardcore. Um, but I think, I think Full Collapse is my first post-hardcore album. Yeah, this is the first one to have some summer jams in it. <laughs> I, I still believe to, like, standing at the, uh, at the edge of summer is the most summer-sounding beach song of all time, except what? for when it, like, <laughs> explodes in the middle. <laughs> Uh, I've uh, I've been reading about Thursday a lot lately. I was telling you about that book that I was reading, mm-hmm. the Nothing Feels Good, the history of like emo and and hard and post hardcore. Um, and man, this guy really interviewed the hell out of Je- Jeff Rickley. I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> did you know Jeff Rickley went to like Rutgers University to be a teacher? No, and this guy he- should not be around kids. Just in general. But, so, There's no my captain, my captain the moment coming here. <laughs> but he's so, like, in the in the interview, he's so sweet and, like, angelic and, like, very, like, I'm just trying to, like, put emotion out into the world and, like, we shouldn't judge each other and all this stuff. And he's actually, like, really, like, well-spoken and sweet. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. which is somewhat in conflict with, with full collapse, which is just, like, you know, screaming. It's just angry. Um <laughs> Angry and emotional. Uh, I remember around the time that their third album comes out, uh, that I, and I, I don't think as a publication they'll ever live it down for me, Newsweek had uh, a big thing where they wrote up that Thursday was this generation's The Beatles. What? No. And, no. and, and that was sort of the album that afterwards no one heard from them for a long time. <laughs> and yeah. I was just like, yeah, you can't really just call whoever you want The Beatles. Uh, that's, that's just not how anything works. Also like that means you just, you went on MySpace and you clicked a bunch of pages and the songs auto playing were, were all off Thursday albums. And you're like, that's what, that's what the Beatles are to me now. These I are, hope this is what, this is what the teens like. Millennials are killing the Beatles. <laughs> but what um, if not? So, okay. Like I definitely agree that Thursday is not the Beatles of our generation and I will never argue that, it, <laughs> that it is. Uh, but like yeah. I recently had a conversation um, with my boyfriend, who was also a 32-year-old nerd, who had mm-hmm. only ever heard one Dashboard Confessional song and one Jimmy <laughs> E. World song. Is he white? Yes. How? He's, oh I, no, we didn't. We the the official 32-year-old white group didn't get around to him yet. We got to get yeah, that guy from like, Jimmy did, World. Did he like? Did he miss something somewhere? Because like Jimmy World was like. 
<laughs> that was like white people's music Terrence, in 2001. It just takes sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> but like, but what I'm saying is like, I definitely think that emo is like the the millennial genre, you know, or, or maybe the white yes. millennial genre. Um, so maybe not right. Thursday, but like definitely that. And I just I think it's so interesting how. It's true, but it has like skipped people, you know. Whereas I don't think right. the Beatles ever skipped a person. Like I don't think you would go back into like the mid '60s <laughs> and talk to a teen, and they'd be like, "Who?" Well, I think I think by the time like Jimmy, by the time Bleed American came out, uh, that was around the time where like uh, Napster and LimeWire and all that stuff, where you could find any band that you wanted. So it wasn't just like you had to listen to what was on the radio. It's kind of that moment that we stop. Everybody has to watch MASH because there's three TV stations. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, So it was like the start of finding stuff that you like instead of just like, hey, this video is on MTV. I guess I'll watch it for the 50th time. Right. right, Which I, I appreciate that we got to grow up in that generation because like I had just started finding out what B sides were. Uh, when mm-hmm. I went out of town and like, oh, these uh, these insanely expensive singles with three songs on them from another country have two more songs that are I do not know yet will be bad. And I was starting <laughs> to like save up my money to buy like B-sides off Beck albums and it was not worth it. Uh, and then like Napster hit. It was like, oh, I can just download like a package of a hundred of them for free right. and I can just live in this band that I like and never leave it. Uh, you can you can uh, you can download that uh, Legend of Zelda song that everyone thought was uh, smoke down. Yes. Oh, nothing nothing beats the 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 fakely labeled stuff. <laughs> or or song or comedy songs with curse words that people labeled as Weird Al. Um, <laughs> yeah, he did not record Detachable Penis. Weirdly enough. No, no, not at all. Um, Back in the at the turn of the century, I guess you would say. Um, uh-huh. So I was in a band, uh-huh. and I had you know boyfriends in bands and and whatever. Uh, and I remember one of my ex boyfriends uh, had a very good band actually, and he would label his songs with like f- like famous band names, like Taking Back Sunday or whatever, <laughs> in the hopes that somebody uh-huh. would accidentally download it and like like his band, which I think is so cheesy. That how would they? F- find who it actually was if it wasn't that's a really good point <laughs> I, I i think that there were actually communities that sprang up around solving this because i remember that there was like uh specifically for some reason a lot of people uh, uploaded stuff as blur that wasn't blur which is actually if you're gonna do anything in that genre of music a pretty fucking good choice uh and then people would later come out and be like oh it's actually this band cowboy out of alberta uh, and I was like, well, cool. I've been listening to that song for three goddamn years. I, I guess I'm into the, a cowboy out of Alberta. <laughs> what? A lot of good bands uh, came out of Alberta. Like Rural Alberta Advantage. I'm pretty sure October Man's out of mm, Alberta. That, like, I do love... Our, Our Lady Peace? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So, like, Our Lady Peace is, like, the Canadian um, freaking, like, dashboard even. I, I don't even know. There's It's like, I, I went to Canada recently, and we went to uh, go karaokeing, and everybody did an Our Lady Peace song that I never heard in my entire life. I think of them as Christless Creed. <laughs> but yeah, we all still know all with arms wide open. So yeah, that that works for me. What was what was the one Our Lady Peace song? Clumsy? Uh, probably. I don't know. I just remember like them having one song. Uh, I'm on a Wikipedia page right now, and the Beatles came up. So maybe Our Lady, maybe Our Lady Peace is the Beatles of the Millennial Generation of the of Canadian White Millennial Generation. <laughs> Uh, um, is Justin Trudeau the Beatles of this generation? <laughs> Justin, Justin Trudeau is the Jeff Rickley of the Beatles. <laughs> what? No. I'm oh, so God. glad to be talking about Thursday, you guys. <laughs> uh, did you guys ever see Thursday in concert? I did. I saw them. Uh, I saw. I saw them at the weirdest show I've possibly been to. It was right after uh, a city by delight divided came out, and uh, they. It was them, heavy, heavy, low, low, murder by death, and uh, fear before the march of flames. And that Great was lineup. a really. That was a really weird, like show because heavy, heavy, low, low is a, 
uh, is an experimental grindcore band. So their set was like 10 minutes long, and that's how long their album is. Fear Before the March uh, of Flames then, isn't much longer. <laughs> no, not really. Um, and Murder by Death, like, they have, like, violins and all sorts of string instruments. And so it took them, like, an hour to set up. And then they played. And then Fear Before played. And then Thursday played. And Thursday played my favorite Thursday song, at least from this era of Thursday, uh, Jet Black New Year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I was nice. very excited about. Which is actually how I thought we should have counted up at the start of this. <gasps> Ooh, oh, what a I, good I, idea. I, I do that countdown every year at New Year, and no one around me knows what I'm doing. I, I also do that. Skype oh, me into your New Year party. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just the three of us in the corner of our own New Year's parties. <laughs> yeah. Just making a phone call. I, holding up our phones. I, I, I will read a comment that somebody posted on Jet Black New Year's uh, YouTube page. Uh, the top comment is, I fucking love this song because I've always loved it, but holy goddamn, is it the most classically emo song ever written? He manages to mention cyanide, suicide, razor blades, black hair dye, blood, kissing, black hearts, sirens, ghosts, and emptiness in a five-minute anthem for sad teenagers. It is legendary masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> And the line, as the dagger screams, love is dead. Yeah, you know what? It's it's the perfect song. I don't know why they still kept making music after it. <laughs> Five stories falling was all we needed. Oh, my God. Speaking of Thursday, continuing to make music after that. So I saw Thursday much after their heyday. I'm not sure what year it was. Um, I, I think I was like maybe mm-hmm. 24, 23. I'm 32 now. Uh, and I believe they were opening for, it was like Thursday and cursive. And <laughs> another Sounds like a good show to me. Uh, some other band that I, I don't I don't remember because I wasn't super interested in. I really went for cursive. Cursive is kind of my entire heart. Um, that's my that's my jam too, Trent. <laughs> yeah, I, I if you ever have a cursive episode, oh my god, let, let me in. Um, but uh, I remember Thursday was playing, and uh, I kind of was like drifting off back to the bar because I it was just okay, and they were playing all new stuff, and like there there weren't any of like the new jams or whatever. Uh, and, uh, they, the, the Jeff was shouting into the mic between songs. They all said that we were dead. They said Thursday (laughs) was over, but we're back here to say Thursday keeps going. And I'll never forget that because that was the moment when I walked (laughs) out of the, the concert area to go have a good conversation with my friends because I could not, I couldn't take their new shit. It was just Thursday was dead at that moment to me. There, I, I that was probably when a city by the light divided came out because like War of the Time was like this heavy like like sort of political album, and a city by the light divided is just kind of there. Yeah, uh, their later I like their later stuff, um, but they haven't released an album in six years. But their later stuff gets like it's nothing like their early stuff. Um, but I do like it. Like they did a split with the Japanese post hardcore band Envy mm-hmm. that I liked. Um, it sort of leads into their new sound. It's like halfway between Old Thursday and New Thursday. City by the Light Divide is very generic sounding, I guess. <laughs> um, like it just doesn't. It doesn't have anything to it. Like it just feels like, hey, some. It sounds like some band tried to copy Thursday and didn't understand why people <laughs> like Thursday. Yeah, I think they had I'm, some like lineup changes in that time too, right? I actually don't. I don't know. think they I did. Like I think their the their lineup has been same. the same. Oh. Yeah, I uh, I saw them uh, open for the Deftones uh, in Chicago on Division Street. Mm. Wow, I get it. Ah, uh, and uh, I understand. and everyone came for Thursday and left for the Deftones. So I just stood in front of the stage and uh, on two different songs. He just gave me the mic to do the screaming parts because it was in the White Pony <laughs> era and he was done trying to scream. And the sounds I made into the mic uh, went through so many levels of processing. I just sound like uh, God's older, meaner big brother <laughs> coming so out of the PA. I was like, oh, wow, with like enough effects processors on you, you can just sound really good forever without trying. <laughs> oh, my God, Terrence, you lived my dream. Like, all I ever I, wanted was for, like, to go to, like, a cursive show and to, like, be past the mic. Or, like, be, or go to a dashboard show and, like, for the, the falsetto girl parts. Like, they're like, can anybody pick up these notes? And I'll be like, me, I can. I can like, oh, my God, that's perfect. I can't, 
I'm just imagining Brock. Brock, you're like what, six foot eight? Yeah. <laughs> you're six foot eight, standing like in a pretty empty, uh, a pretty empty like concert hall, like Chino Marino staring you in the face, handing you like holding a microphone to your face. Like that's a. That sounds like a that sounds like a, a movie scene. I mean, I, 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 I Trin will appreciate this. I have a bit on on my first album about seeing Cursive in a concert, and I'm always the guy singing along to everything. And I'm also always hated at shows because I show up for all the opening acts, and then by the time somebody gets there at the very end, they're like, "Who's this tall asshole?" I'm gonna <laughs> throw a beer at him. But I also sing along to every song, and especially at like Cursive or The Faint or something. Uh, and so it was at a cursive concert out here a few years ago and I was singing along to all the words and then I messed up the words to a song and then Tim Casher messed up the words as well. And I went into like a spiral of like, was he copying off me? Cause that was an older song. He might've needed me there and I let him down. I think Oh my god! like I'm, I, he was, he was mouthing along with me actually. And that's where, where I, why I ruined my hero. Uh, so yeah, to be at the Thursday concert and, and have everyone leave and Deftones just be like, this guy's here. He knows all the old songs. Let's just give him a mic. Uh, there's no one left to impress. <laughs> that was a good show. Um, Deftone karaoke, a... just a fun time. <laughs> Def... Deftone's karaoke is literally a sentence that's never existed before you just said it. Um, <laughs> well, now it exists on the internet album. and there's porn of it. So congratulations to both of you. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about this album. I love this of album. Of course. It is a perfect uh, album, it's... and it made me so angry to listen to. <laughs> I, I still think this album's just, like, really good, like, command of post-hardcore as a genre. Um, and it's it's super melodic and easy to, easy to sink along to and so sad and angry. <laughs> um and it it bucks the trend of the rest of the albums that we reviewed on the show, where it starts off really loud. This one comes in very soft and then goes loud. I feel like this album feels to me like a movie soundtrack almost. Like it's it's very <laughs> <Yep>. like, epic <laughs> and swelling kind of thing. It's swelling like it swells yeah. up in loudness, not like an infection. But like uh, it's. Right. Uh, it, I, I think I could like easily. Well, I so okay. I almost started off this sentence with I think I could easily <laughs> like daydream like a like a musical around this. But here's the truth: uh, as you know, a, a high schooler and college student on the L in Chicago, that is literally what I did with my headphones in and my discman. <laughs> it's just imagine the movie scenes surrounding uh, these albums and like this one in particular. I, I feel it's very like epically cinematic. And I think uh, that train, the L train I, also sets up. Uh, I, I think that L train and like iPhones, I, I, iPod things have made Chicago uh, for better for cinema, like in, since its invention. Because like all you do is ride that train and picture like wild like indie films. <laughs> yeah, it's I used to do Chicago that all the time. Like- Chicago feels too much like Gotham for you to not like surround yourself in a fiction all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, ter- uh, I cut you off, Terrence. Yeah. What were you saying? No, I was saying I. I also used to do like imagine uh, like what song or like piece this not even like the same band like the whole album but like piece together songs from different albums, different bands. Like what like f- all this together should be a movie. They did, in fact, <clears throat> like the. Uh, what are you saying? I'm sorry. I'm, I think I'm. I'm like one second off, and I keep cutting you guys off. Go ahead. Hmm. <laughs> no. Uh, you go ahead and say your thing. My thing wasn't even a thing. They actually turned Cursive's Domestica into a musical. Um, I say they, but I'm sure it was just like some college troupe. Um, but I, I have... Right. Go ahead. No, I was saying right. Like, continue. But uh, I, I have always... I, I wish I could find a recording of that because that just sounds so like what 23-year-old me would do. 20, 21 year old me was trying to make Happy Hollow into a musical. So yeah, we've all been here. <laughs> uh, I, I, I I'm, I'm glad to figure out like, that we all just have this cursive spot in our hearts that we can now share. Our cursive I, I, episode I will be better than this one. <laughs> I personally would want to see The Ugly Organ be an album, but or be a, a musical or a movie. 
Um, yeah, I think we just we have that fanfic bone, you know, like there's a ton of coheating mm-hmm. Cambria fan fiction out there. I wonder if anybody wrote like some Thursday cinematic kind of fan fiction based on this <laughs> album. I would bet money that it exists. <laughs> the Thursday cinematic universe. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> um, so how many times have you cried to how long it's a night? Oh, gosh. You know, not as many as I've <laughs> as I've uh, cried to understanding in a car crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine's Paris and Flames, so that's yeah. That I am the killer. Uh, I don't know, just feeling like a weirdo. <laughs> like I, I am the killer. It was just was I am the killer was definitely uh, sort of my high school song because I didn't really. We've talked about this on the show. Not really fitting in. Uh, and just kind of feeling like a, a weirdo. Um, yeah, it's bad. It's a bad time. High school sucks. That's why That's why there's emo music. Yeah, literally that is the whole reason for emo is like we have an unhealthy obsession with how unhappy we were in high school. So we put it together in these CDs in the in the our early 20s. Guys, don't you remember when we had a different kind of depression? I'm so it's so retro. Now we have this, like, 30s depression. That's kind of (laughs) heavy. Like, think about, like, teenage depression. Like, there felt felt like there was something substantial there. Now you're just old and depressed. You're just like, I'm just tired all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard hard to write a song about uh, how how bad naps make you feel. (laughs) That's why we need Thursday. (laughs) I wonder if they're, I wonder if they, do they just stay in proportion to us? And when they come out with a new album, it's just about, like, you know what? I'm actually too tired this Sunday night to catch all of this episode of Game of Thrones. Maybe I'll break it up over a couple of days. I have work in the morning. Oh my god! I'm so I'm sorry. I was just reading uh, Jeff Rickley's um, uh, Wikipedia page. Yeah. Uh, personal life. His personal life is two par two paragraphs. I'm gonna put that in uh, quotation marks. It says Rickley. Rickley was born and raised in Dumont, New Jersey, into a Catholic family and attended Dumont High School, where he was a member of the band and played tenor sax. He was raised Catholic. Rickley is a diagnosed epileptic, which has affected his ability to tour. This is the only next paragraph. In early 2013, Rickley was mugged in New York City, where his cell phone, iPad, wallet, credit card, rent money, and medication (gasps) were stolen. And... In 2015, Rickley was poisoned and robbed in Hamburg, Germany, while touring with no devotion to play at the Reeperbahn Festival. Rickley was hospitalized, causing them to cancel their concert, but recovered for a scheduled show in Paris the following day. That is the only two, like, things about his personal life on this Wikipedia page. But if you scroll down, there's a... The Martin Shrekley controversy comes into play. I remember that. I did not... I didn't know this at all. What... (laughs) What's the deal? Oh, yeah, yeah this was a, a huge bummer. <laughs> yeah. But, like, he, like, Jeff Rickley came out, like, uh, I remember after, like, this news came out, Jeff Rickley came out and was like, this dude just gave me money. I didn't know who he was. Which I kind of can't blame him because if you're a, if you're a band who's just touring uh, and some dude's just like, yeah, I'll pay for your stuff. <laughs> oh, I, wow. I, I think it was probably the hard times where somebody did a thing that, uh, uh, Shikrelli buys a Fugazi, raises uh, ticket prices from $5 to $8. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Thursday is, is an important one for me because uh, when I got out to Los Angeles, I took a job uh, in music supervision at MTV. Uh, I was working on shows, and I was also going out to find like bands, but I also just abused the hell out of this to get backstage passes to a lot of bands I wanted to see, and that included, included bands like Cursive and Thursday and stuff. Uh, that like they were never going to go on in the background of the hills or something. There was no reason for me to be there, but uh, I went. But I, I created my own uh, terrible uh, situation there, which was that these bands would know that I was coming, but that I was a guy coming from where the money comes from and the fame. Ooh. And so I'd meet them backstage, uh, and and both Thursday and Cursive had this moment with me, uh, where like I was just like, hey, like. I've like cried listening to your music and you guys have been so important to me. And they were, and their response was to be like, no, you're the cool one. You're actually the really cool one. 
and so on and so forth. And, and like, I, because they knew where I was coming from, made it weirder back to me. And I'm like, no, you can't, don't do this. Oh, no. Oh, no. I shouldn't have done what I did to get, I should have just bought a ticket. And, <laughs> and uh, like, I, I don't want, I don't want to make this weird between us. The, you've changed the dynamic and how it was supposed to work. And when I finally left that show, I was like, this is actually for the best. Uh, but I do remember that one of the Thursday shows, uh, or it wasn't Thursday, it was of Montreal. I, I, I was talking to them and they were sort of doing the same thing. And I finally was like, uh, uh, I just, I don't know if it's because of this position I'm coming from, but no one in rock and roll is an asshole anymore. And uh, at that same show, somebody was finally an asshole to me. And it was the third opening act, uh, a, uh, a band called MGMT, who had no one had heard of yet. And I was just like, who are these guys being such assholes to it to me? And I found out that they went to like college with me. And I was like, oh, okay. So like there's a personal reason for them to be an asshole to me. But you're also the third <laughs> opening act at a Montreal show. So maybe take it down a bit a bit for two thousand and seven. Like it's <laughs> So I have a comment and a question. So, <laughs> yes. comment. So not only were you like representative of like the guys with the money or whatever, but you're also like six eight. So you're probably towering over these bands, and they're looking at you like daddy, like you're your daddy with the money. You know, like that. That's the power dynamic. Is that you've got daddy's plastic, and you can like give it to them or not. So one comment. Question: How does a band be an asshole to you? Like, what did that look like? Uh, it was just sort of like, oh, I like actually for MGMT, I had heard their album before it came out and I was like, hey, I actually would like to put like you're a young unknown band. I actually would like to put some of your stuff on the TV. Uh, and uh, they were like, fuck off. <gasps> and I was just like, well, no one will hear of that MGMT ever again. <laughs> <laughs> They'll release one album and disappear. You well, at least it'll be a quadruple enemy. platinum selling album. So. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, and it, anybody only bought it for kids. I don't even cares about the rest of that song. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, I I was upset that I never got to meet any of the guys from Thursday, like at their show, because it was so like it was such a late show, and I'm not gonna hang around outside waiting uh-huh. for. Uh, but there were there were plenty of there were plenty of bands that I did get to meet, um, and a lot of the ones that were like more theatric focus i guess they had like sort of uh, a costuming to their like their their whole post-hardcore uh uh just feel or like jaunt their the, the way they played music was sort of post-hardcore but it really wasn't uh i went and saw the band aiden open for silverstein <laughs> that's yep all that sounds right uh <clears throat> um and like the lead singer from aiden is like five foot three and he was just like a big asshole oh. um that like it was it was the kind of band that that the lead singer like if you were a girl like was all over but if you were a guy he was just like no fuck you uh, and which yeah. was a lot of bands back the, then the band Silverstein no no <laughs> never no no Aiden was the asshole I actually met the lead singer at Silverstein and he was a super nice guy oh I thought you told me on a previous episode that he had done that same thing <laughs> no uh um. We're confusing our emo the, lead singers out for fuck right now. I to, I told you about the lead singer of All Time Low. Gotcha. Was a was a big asshole to me at uh at Warp Tour. I honestly would be more surprised if like a white man who sang for a popular band did not treat me that way. Like it's just like yeah, that's that's how dudes <laughs> with a little bit of power sometimes do things or often do things. Yeah. Yeah, Warped I think I did also see you uh, Thursday once in Chicago in a Ukrainian village, uh, where it was them, the Thermals, and Blood Brothers, and I don't think I've ever blown my throat out after a night like that. But also, uh, you've never seen a crowd that needed to throw their right arm up and point at every line of every song, because <laughs> <Aww, laughs> so those are all three bands that you really have to show that you know the words through the power of dance. <laughs> Brock, are you like from Chicago? Like you've been talking, uh, Terrence, you too. Unless I'm mixing up your guys' voices because uh, no, you sound exactly I'm, the same to me. Um, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I Brock. I don't think Brock's from anywhere. Um, Brock just emerged, fully formed from the heavens, and he just 
floats around. Uh, that's all I believe. Where, wherever there's mm-hmm. something cool, I just sort of uh, manifest. You have. Brock's existed for a thousand years. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, I'm. I live in Virginia. I've always lived in Virginia, and we don't have anything from here except for reggae, like white guy reggae bands you've never heard of. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we both feel real bad all of a sudden in this bummer podcast. That was the saddest line. Condolences. <laughs> uh, we've had we've, like because it's a beach, it's a beach town, so like we get we had a lot of pop punk because we're closer to Florida. Um, <laughs> like all the all the like the it, it comes in like like a hurricane or like a or like the the winds. It travels on the ocean, and it's just like oh, we got to start a pop punk band. Here's your Dicky shoes, shorts, shoes, whatever. It don't matter. Um, and we get like, there have been some good emo bands from this area, but they never went anywhere or like they're from the past few years, but like pop punk and reggae question. That's what you want. Come to Virginia question for the men. Um, <laughs> so I feel like there is a very fine line between pop punk and post hardcore. And I, and I don't know that that's necessarily debatable that there's a fine line, but I wonder where that fine line comes in because I mean, you could say that post hardcore is essentially like two dudes finishing each other's sentences, screaming at each other. It's always two dudes. It's always the dude that can kind of scream. And then the go, the dude who can kind of sing almost, but like that's true (laughs) of like some 41, you know, like that's true of, of a lot of bands. So I wonder where the breakdown comes in. Is it just like, I self identify as post hardcore because I don't want to be emo, but like, you know, Thursday is this interesting mishmash of emo and post-hardcore because it's such it's so conceptual mm-hmm. and it's so like visual and like and, and pretty and all this stuff. But it's also shouting. So I'm wondering what you guys think about that. Like, wh- like, how does this branch into post-hardcore in a way that other bands do not and they stay in their pop punk genre? For for me, I think it all stems from a point of uh, of production value, and we get into this a lot. Like uh, we we just covered the the first used album because it's the fifteenth anniversary. Want to feel old? Mm. Uh, and uh, <laughs> like there, the couple of songs on that that were radio songs have a sheen, and you know there's there's compression on them, and you know things are just mixed differently. And then the songs that were meant to be just show that they're actually a rock band. Uh, some of them border on being the sort of like broken EQ settings off of like in utero. Like it, mm-hmm. you can sound like garage trash, but like, I understand that that, that sort of like good versus bad uh, producing dynamic doesn't uh, hold up with Thursday because I think uh, this and their next album are two of the best produced albums like fucking ever. Uh, and especially the more that they get into adding those uh, those keyboards in and stuff, yeah. uh, and especially when you get into having just like a piano only song about loss, uh, like I, I, I think it's almost uh, it almost becomes a question of of uh, the, the the division here between between post punk and pop punk is more a question of uh, of adulthood and and theme and and what it is that you're trying to convey because these are these are serious art albums. Uh, that can be consumed by anybody, but like I don't think that some forty one has ever tried to take themselves seriously, and that's why I think that that one Blink One Eighty Two reinvention album with Miss You on it is such a weird moment in the history of music because they did try to take make songs that took them seriously, and they're not the band to do that. And that was a I was like this is this is so fascinating because this is the potential of what they could have sounded like as as a post hardcore band, even making pop music. Uh, so yeah, I think for for me, it's it's a it's a division in in intent or or theory almost. <laughs> um, we, I'm gonna go more technical of like how genre is how the genre kind of broke down, um, which is like like late '80s, like mid '80s emo or emotive hardcore, like bands like Fugazi and stuff like that. Um, sort of like that was just hardcore with more, I guess emotion to it it was like more melodic and everything and then you kind of move forward and like hardcore is still a thing but post hardcore is like emo is like a less emo is like a less hard hardcore and like post hardcore is like 
emo and hardcore intersecting. So you get kind of these like you get kind of these like Sunday Day Real Estate or Get Up Kids or uh, or Promise Ring sort of lyrics and instrumentation, but you've also got like harsher harsher vocals and like harder music. Um, and then I would say like now in the past, like five or six years, po- uh, pop punk has moved so far into being sort of hardcore. Like pop punk used to be like newfound glory and, uh, some 41 and everything. But now you have bands like four year strong and a day to remember that are pretty much hardcore bands, but there's less screaming or just a, just the right amount of screaming or whatever. And, and, and there is that that line that like bands start to recognize and sometimes they, they it calms them down like cursives domestic has a great point because that's the start of, of of what would have been a hardcore like a lower end hardcore band and then by the time you hit ugly organ they're talking about like why am I doing all this screaming like right. what, what point am I trying to make with that like right. or or you get like the blood brothers where you know they realize they just couldn't scream constantly the whole time and that's when they start to make very interesting albums with lots lots of keyboards and stuff (laughs) right um and it kind of has like the same point with thursday because like after after war of the time like their screaming kind of either like goes to the back goes to the wayside or or like and they and their later albums are much more interesting than any like I'm, and I'm using interesting in that it sounds different than their early stuff. And there's like that breaking point, which is a city by the light divided. And it's, and then you go after that and it becomes a sort of, I, ha, I just listen to it. I can't really explain it uh, <laughs> without sounding like a crazy person. Uh, Trin, I do think you make an excellent point about like this. The, it is a genre about two screaming men finish, finishing each other's sentences. Cause we just revisited uh, taking back Sunday I forgot that on the on their opening album, like whenever the other guy finishes his sentence by screaming, that's just the end of the that part of the song. Like the just whole measures will just cut in the middle of things, and it, I was like, musically, this is so weird that they're like, oh, I, I heard my echo. I'm done now. Move on to the verse. Like it's uh, <laughs> it is it is an important part of this genre. I think. Yeah, it absolutely is. And speaking of taking back Sunday, um, were you guys um, aware of this? I feel like there was a rivalry between taking back Sunday and Thursday. And I don't know if that extended to the band themselves or if it was just that, like, in my high school, you either really loved taking back Sunday or you loved Thursday. Are you guys aware of that kind of rivalry? No. Oh, my God. It's a, are, are you thinking of the one between them and Brand New, or is it those two bands? No, it's definitely. Because there's a huge rivalry between those two bands. Oh, tell me about that. <laughs> I actually haven't heard of that. I've only heard the, like, okay. So, basically, in high school, it was like, you liked Taking Back Sunday if you were, like, an optimist and you liked Thursday oh, no. if you were like trying to be like hard, you know? And obviously, I, I liked Thursday mm-hmm. because I'm always trying to be hard. <laughs> uh,. So we talked about we talked about hey, it actually episode. before before you do that one. Th- this is an important time to ask Trin this. A thing that we bring up on this podcast a lot is uh, is uh, some of the the issues that we take in revisiting these songs, especially now uh, looking back on the dudes we were when we listened to these in high school and the dudes we are now. Uh, a division that we like to point to that I, I think defines whether these these albums are fun to revisit or not fun to revisit comes down to the the lyrical quality of some of these in whether or not they are the sort of songs that you would write down in a notebook to yourself when you were sad, or if it was the sort of song that you would send to a girlfriend or a girl that you liked but who didn't like you as like a threat <laughs> that she needed to like you or you were going to hurt yourself or like everyone needed to know that you were a danger to yourself for that and that there was something cool there and, and that that sort of weird, toxic, emo masculinity. Like, did you live through that in high school while we were talking about your high school experience? Oh, um, you know, so my like high school, like early college experience, um, I remember... This is actually a really good example. So um, I wrote lyrics that I liked on the back of this notebook that I loved. So like the whole back was was just tiny, tiny writing of like a bunch of lyrics that I really enjoyed. Uh, and I remember writing a Thursday lyric on there. I, and I can't quite remember which one. And my buddy Aaron was watching me write and he was like, is that what you're thinking? Like, are you OK? <laughs> like, like, what's going on? <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. It's just a, it's a lyric from, from a band that I really enjoy. And it only really 
hit me then how dark and how sad it was. Um, and I think that that was pretty um, reflective of my experience like as a teenager uh, and, and into my early 20s was that I was really sad and I didn't know it. Like I like I was definitely the yeah. most cheerful little emo girl that ever existed. Like I, you, <laughs> you know, like I, I wore like the tight jeans and like the thrift store T-shirts and like the whole thing. And uh, and I loved that music. And I would go home and make really terrifying art in my bedroom with the with the music turned up and stuff. Um, so it wasn't at all communal for me and it wasn't reflective in my relationships whatsoever um but it was very mm. very internal and, and and it was i think perhaps a window in for my friends and they kind of like peered in and they were like no i don't want this and then <laughs> and they did their own thing um going back to brock's example of like would you would you send this to a girl like is this a letter you're gonna send to a girl or write in your own diary i feel like thursday lyrics and more more of bands like post hardcore of just like the, your thursdays thrice bands like that sounds like more something you would turn in as a english paper yes like, very much so <laughs> their their lyrics are are poetic in a sense um that you that this is how you're going to express yourself, not, not, uh, well, well, my girlfriend broke up with me today. Yeah. It's definitely more imagery than it is like specific descriptions of situations. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree with you. I think it's, it's definitely more poetic like that. Um, it would, it's definitely something that I would or have put as like my aim away message, I would say. But probably, <laughs> probably just to look super hard, though. So who knows? But it may, but it's not the sort of thing that anybody ever like sent you this as like a, a, a note in like middle school or high school or something or so like you guys nothing that you ever coming, try to communicate <laughs> with somebody. You guys keep coming back to this like relationship thing or this note thing, and I think you are overestimating how many people I dated in my my youth. Um, so <laughs> so no, it is not something I would write in a note or receive in as a well, note because that did not happen. Well, it's not it's not us. It's like the the teenage emo collective as a as a collective conscious of emo teenagers like this is the kind of stuff that would happen not particularly us okay fair maybe brock may uh, also maybe i have to think that there were other guys that were as shitty as i was so i can feel better <laughs> that's okay you don't have to make me feel better terrence was telling you a story about the fighting between two bands i'll let terrence okay. take it back <laughs> okay so so trin you know you know brand new and take a mic sunday obviously. obviously um Brand New has a song on Your Favorite Weapon called 70 Times 7. Take Mike Sunday has a song on Tell All Your Friends called There's No I in Team. Those two songs are basically Jesse Lacey and John Nolan going back and forth over a fight they actually had in real what? life. Over John Nolan sleeping with Jesse Lacey's girlfriend? What? Yeah. Um, and they both they both wrote diss tracks about it, and sort of both albums are about it, which is real hard to get through. And we didn't bring this up when covering either album, but they actually went on tour together a few years afterwards, and there's video of the two bands playing both songs back-to-back -back on stage as if they've healed that wound. And I was watching those videos and just, like, sobbing uncontrollably. Like, I didn't know that they ever made peace, and then I was reading up oh, on yeah. it, and, like, they definitely did not. They did for a little while, and then they went back to hating each other. Like, ah... Uh, less sweet but it's still really like it's really cute to see like mid-2000s video of them ending a concert by being like hey why don't you come back out and sing this song with us and then both bands doing both songs i mean i can imagine by now there has to be like so, like just water under the bridge because jesse lacy has kids and i'm pretty it, sure john nolan does too it is not they reignited the thing like a few months ago like so really? they're still living this oh goodness so they're both answering um, that um list your greatest grudge uh thread on twitter right. as each other yes uh, I, re I, re I remember uh adam lazara the lead singer taking back sunday he like swung his microphone around uh, a lot yes. and brand new had a song uh, brand new didn't. It's not a song. They had a shirt. A shirt that said "Mics are for uh, Mics are for singing, not swinging." I had that shirt, and I did not know what it was in reference to. <laughs> and I'm so sad I don't have it, it anymore. Sunday. <laughs> I, I'm um, delighted by this hatred. Yeah, there's a there's a whole like Jesse Lacey used to be in Taking Back Sunday when they first started out as a band. 
um yeah like when taking like the first taking back sunday album that didn't have adam lazara as a singer um uh yeah the adam lazara was not the singer uh jesse lacy left taking back sunday after that album i have that album on a hard drive somewhere um and uh it's not very good um and so adam lazar joins taking back sunday brand then jesse lacy leaves starts brand new or doesn't start brand new i think he just joined it but yeah it's a it's a whole thing man i just like i I need you guys to just dedicate a ton of time every episode to like emo beef because there is nothing tastier than emo beef this is incredible Uh, did you know that people in emo can take things personally and hold on to a grudge for decades? We're learning it as we go. That's crazy. So, hold on. I, I went to look up John Nolan, J.C. Lacey, see this thing. There's an article on Stereo Gum from 2015 that not John Nolan said this, but Adam Lazara, who is not John Nolan, said is the one who like is having beef with, John, uh, with Jesse Lacey. <laughs> Beef on beef on beef. Like, uh, it's over. It's over, guys. <laughs> like, like I like I don't know what to tell you. You're they're like two completely different, uh, two completely different bands now. I don't know, like, brand new doesn't sound anything like Taking Back Sunday. Taking Back Sunday doesn't sound anything like brand new. They don't even sound anything like their original albums. So just like get get over. They're gonna be in a uh, in a in a retirement home one day, just uh, playing playing those two songs from their rooms. <laughs> Continue. They, I, I, you you have to go look at the lyrics on them because they share lyrics, uh, and the lyric that they share is apparently the last line that they ever said to each other in this fight breakup phone conversation, which is what you're as subtle as a brick in the small of my back. So they even fought like emo lyrics, which I just, it just sounds like it's so it must take so much effort to be that person. Yeah. I'm just looking at pictures of, uh, like I, I typed in John Nolan, Jesse Lacey and looking at Google image search and it's just early 2000s pictures. I imagine. Oh, there's a picture of Burt McCracken here. Your favorite. I do love Burt McCracken. I'm looking this up. I've actually, so I've only, uh, I think I saw taking back Sunday once in concert and now i'm looking at pictures of them and they are pretty little emo boys oh they are uh adam lazara is he is just a a pretty boy (laughs) um but yeah i mean i'm looking at pictures of them i was just like man i've like i I don't know them personally but looking at them i was just like i have known every single one of these guys (laughs) like i've known like eight adam lazaras i think Right, yeah. <laughs> What's your Lazara account? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Lazara, Lazara account is like the Metachlorians uh, from Star Wars, but for emo kids. So is it just like what, like Lazaras that you have known or like Lazaras that you have known biblically? And are is there is there a difference? <laughs> because I feel like I'm looking through a yearbook of all of my ex-boyfriends right now. <laughs> Uh, it's like it, passing the Lazara test is like the Bechtel test. It requires that two boys fight for two decades over one girl and and nothing else. If they talk about anything besides a girl, they they failed the, they Lazara, failed the test. Lazara test. I love this. Oh, man. Uh, so, so this Thursday album. All right. Um... Yeah, we're here to talk about Thursday. Uh, did you guys ever hear that um, the uh, acoustic version of A Hole in the World? No. I have, yes. It's on the on the very first Punk Goes Acoustic uh, album, and it's really, really good. It kind of gives a whole new flavor to the song. Um, because, I mean, the song just kind of sounds like the rest of Thursday. Um <laughs> But like the whole in the world acoustic version is is real good, and I suggest you you search it out, look for it, play it, enjoy it. Oh, this is so cute! I'm looking at. I've actually never heard of Punk Goes Acoustic, which is like strange. Mm. Um, but 
Isn't Swing there Life... are some good entries and there are some not great entries. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, oh, I, yeah. I thought Swing Life Away by Rise Against was essentially an acoustic song already. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's even slower. Like, I have the album. Like, I have the physical version of the album. Um, I, um, I bought it, like, right before Punk Goes Acoustic 2 came out. And Punk Goes Acoustic 2 is not good. Ugh. Um uh, there's a bunch of Punk Goes uh, albums. There's like Punk Goes 80s, Punk Goes 90s, and a lot of these bands aren't punk bands. Um, like they had, like Punk Goes Acoustic is like, it's Yellow Card and Take It Back Sunday and Thursday and Piebald, and I'm just like, yes, all these punk bands. <laughs> Bring me the Piebald. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, famous punk band Piebald? I, I do. Um, <laughs> Uh, just trying to find. I do appreciate that uh, Yellow Card went back and did the 10th anniversary Ocean Avenue as an acoustic album, uh, mm-hmm. which I think I like better than the original version. And I wish that uh, bands doing their, you know, if you're that kind of band, please go reinvent your thing. I I would love to hear the acoustic uh, orchestral ugly organ album. That would be fun for me. Oh, <laughs> oh man! Wow, my heart just soared. <laughs> I was like, that sounds real good. Um, oh man, I want to talk about cursive, but we can't, right? We have to talk about Thursday. <laughs> We're gonna do it next. We'll have you back for that one. I promise. Yeah, we'll have you back for. Now it depends on. Do you want to do which uh, cursive album? Because there's many cursive albums. This is true. Uh, Domestica probably that we could do. Jim Casher is premiering his new indie movie he wrote and directed uh, out here in a couple of weeks. What? And I'm I'm pretty excited to go see that. Is that a real? You thing? You should tell him about the podcast. Tim Casher. <laughs> I I I think I can DM him. I think he follows me. Let's let's make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Jim Casher is probably the biggest crush of my entire life. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's his? In, so I'm sorry that I'm veering you off topic. Like literally every. Five no, where I think we're done talking about this Thursday. <laughs> so what's the deal with with Tim Casher's indie movie? What is it about? Uh, it's about a couple that uh, tries to uh, have a nice uh, New Year's Eve in. Uh, and instead, the uh, husband demands that they go to a giant party, and of course, they fall apart. So it's a, a one-night, one-location indie film about a couple breaking up. It's very Jim Casher, as you might imagine. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, and his new his new album that he just released is the soundtrack to it. Wow, hmm. that's pretty dope. I um, so I got an ex-boyfriend into cursive uh, way back when. And uh, we obviously broke up and and whatever. And in our relationship, I had crocheted him this beautiful afghan. Like, it was all, like, purple and black and blue. It was a very, very pretty afghan. And uh, he got a dog and named the dog Casher. And now that blanket is the dog's bed. And I'm mad about it. The end. That's the whole story. No (laughs) punchline. Oh, my God. (laughs) That could be an emo song. Isn't it? I know. Your dog's blood. That's an emo diss track waiting to happen. <laughs> Beautiful Afghan. Uh, I want to read the the um, track listing off the very first Punk Goes Pop album. <laughs> this uh, is a good point to released, end at, I think. <laughs> yeah, which was released in 2002. They're up to Punk Goes Pop Volume 7 now. What? Uh, and there's only two bands on here that I recognize the names of. Uh, other than that, couldn't tell you who any of these bands are, but the first one is I Want It That Way, covered by Dynamite Boy. Candy, uh, cover <laughs> the Mandy Moore song Candy, covered by Slick Shoes. Uh, Michelle Branches Everywhere by Yellow Card. Uh, Stretch Armstrong covered Get the Party Started by Pink. Rufio covered Madonna's Like a Prayer. Farther Seems Forever, which if you don't know is uh, the band that uh, Chris Caraba, who was Dashboard Confessional, was originally in, uh, covered Bye Bye Bye. Uh, Noise Ratchet covered Mandy Moore's Crush. Why is there two Mandy Moore songs on it? It was 2002 was a big Mandy Moore year. (laughs) We needed more. (laughs) She was also in Clone High. Um, (laughs) Element 101, which I don't even know who that is. Uh, Nelly Furtado's I'm Like a Bird. Knockout uh, covered Destiny's Child Survivor. The starting line did Child Rule and Jennifer Lopez's The Real. 
uh, Keepsake, don't know who that is. Did Faith Hill, The Way You Love Me, Reach the Sky. Did Britney Spears Sometimes, Fake ID, could be a fake band. Uh, did O-Town's All or Nothing. Show Off did Madonna's Borderline. Thrice did uh, Send Me an Angel by Real Life. Uh, Nicotine did Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. And Student Rick did Belinda Carlisle's Heaven is a Place on Earth. Because they really wanted to strike that iron while it was hot. That Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> uh, everyone loved Belinda Carlisle in 2002. It's, always, it's so strange to me that there's a, like, you know, punk goes pop album that has Rufio on it, who I feel like is pop already. Yeah, that was that's already there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um... I don't, I don't know. I don't understand this whole, this whole, uh, punk goes, like the, the punk goes series is, is tragic in a lot of ways. Uh, and nobody should listen to them. So, uh, now that we've reached the end of our podcast, would you, would you two, both Brock and Trin, would you two go back and listen to Thursday's full collapse? Would I? I mean, I have. Like, I, <laughs> uh, it's, I think it's still... Would you recommend it to others, I think, is the real question. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I am. So, as I said, my boyfriend has only heard one Dashboard song and one Jimmy song. So, I'm, in fact, making him a, uh, like, a mix CD. Uh, and so, I am definitely going to go back and listen to Full Collapse because he needs to get an education. And that education is going to include Thursday. So, yes, I <laughs> would recommend this album, and I do recommend this album. <laughs> Brock, how do you feel uh, about yeah, it? Yeah, it's it's a tremendous delight to come back to. I, 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 I like revisiting this album so much that I went to an actual hot topic to buy the vinyl mm-hmm. there a, f- a few months back because that's the only place that sells it. It's a hot mm-hmm. topic exclusive. That's a thing that upsets me. <laughs> I, I did it. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's. I just think it's flawless from start to finish, and it still makes me. Both like uh, it, it makes me angry and does that weird stomach turn thing that we've been talking about that only emo can really make you sick in that way while you listen. Uh, but also, mm. I feel just uh, really joyous, and it always gives me this little kick of energy, especially things like Paris and Flames and stuff. It gives me a real creative fuck you energy uh, mm-hmm. that isn't just like I, I, nothing matters, but is like I'm gonna go out and like make something yeah. right now. I don't even know what it is, but I'm gonna go do right. a thing. And uh, I, there's very few albums that like have that creative kick in the ass for me. And I, I think this one always gets me right in that sweet spot. So I am, I'm glad to pull it out again and listen to it today. I think everyone should pull it out and listen to it today. Do it. Listen to your Thursday. I also would recommend going back, listening to this Thursday. Also listen to, um, five stories falling. Uh, it's a good EP. Jet black new year is excellent. Um, the rest of the album is just like the live recordings of, uh, songs off of, um, full collapse but jet black the new year new year is the only new song it's a good song it's only five it's only five tracks long so it's like it takes 20 minutes um but yeah go back and listen to this it's it's melodic in a way that uh that is easier to digest than other hardcore bands uh like post-hardcore as a genre is a lot more melodic in a way but but, but they also have the, the technical strength of like a metal band like they the, the right. musicality behind this is so insane, especially in a time period where we're just coming off of music being like, try as little as you can because that's cool. And Thursday right. really snuck up on me like, oh, wow, these guys are better than I'll ever be at every instrument. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that Rutgers education. Uh, <laughs> uh, Trin, where can we find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me uh, several places. Um, I would start at friendshippingpodcast.com because I have a mm. podcast about friendship. We are on Twitter at mm. Do Friendship. And then um, if you, for some uh, godforsaken reason, want to listen to me personally more, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Trin and Tonic. It's like a gin and tonic, but with a me inside of it. I get it now. <laughs> I cannot wait to listen to your podcast for the rest of the day. That makes me so happy. <laughs> oh, yay. It's like the the work of my heart. I just, it's, Jen is incredible and funny. And then we get these really, like, heartfelt questions from people about friendship. Uh, and it is, it has been a pleasure to work on these past few years. Uh, every, every, like, every time Trin brings up her podcast on Twitter, 
And like I see pictures, like Trin just looks like this, like this sort of like radiantly happy person. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, I want to be on your show about Thursday. I was like, what? Who are you? Where did you come from? Are you lying to me right now? No, Look, you- I'm expanding uh, the brand. <laughs> um, I, I I definitely like am a thick glasses wearing tight jeans emo dweeb and always have been and, and truly always will be and the thing is is that like I, I feel like if you are a deeply feeling person you often feel both ends of the scale at, at a very magnified power and that that's kind of how I feel so like Thursday is there for like my broken heart that's bleeding jet black tears or whatever the hell and then you know i've got my, my friendshiping for for those um high flying good days um and I, and I don't think that that's necessarily contradictory it's just the wholeness of a human no. being well yeah. trin thank you so very much for coming to join us today uh, it was a delight we'll see you back when uh when cursive comes around <laughs> absolutely thank you so much this was so much fun yeah uh, as always, I've been your host, Terrence Wiggins. You can find me, well, one of your hosts. I don't know why I said I'm not the only host. Brock's also here. Brock, I'm and sorry. Don't counts. hate me. Um. <laughs> and thus ends our friendshiping. <laughs> <laughs> now, now uh, Brock has to go write his own There Is No I in Team, and Trent can go write 70 times 7, and I'll go start Straylight Run. Um. <laughs> <laughs> why, even, even in our breakup, you cast yourself in the worst possible light. <laughs> Um, you can find me on Twitter at the black nerd and, uh, you'll see all sorts of things that are being posted that I do. Um, but as always, we are the coolest kids and we take what we can get. Thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. Goodbye. Goodbye.